I have uh, thought over the years, when I get to heaven, I want to meet certain people. I'm sure you've had that same thought process. It'd be great to sit down with David and recount his life. People like Paul, people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I just want to tell you, those people are going to be really busy. You know, because everybody wants to meet them. So I figure let a few thousand years go by and let the lines kind of dwindle down of those trying to meet those guys. I have, over the last couple of weeks, been sinking my heart into this passage we'll see tonight. And I have been connecting uh, with some incredible people, the people of Smyrna. And when I get to heaven... I want to meet some of the believers from the church at Smyrna because they are amazing people. As I've gone through this passage, it has just gripped me at a deep level and I asked the Lord for the way to communicate it to you. And it's going to be a little different tonight. I want to talk to you as though I was a person from Smyrna and give you perspective of life back then what the Lord said, and then what might it be like if someone who was actually in Smyrna could come out and talk to us? What would they say? Would you pray with me and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I ask you tonight to just quicken my heart and my mind. I, I, I want to be firing, Lord, on all cylinders with this word. It has just marinated in my spirit. Now I need your help to say it, articulate it in a way that will be effective. Have your way tonight so that when we all leave this place, we can say what an incredible time of worship, acknowledging the power of God and declaring the greatness of God. And our hearts were made so ready to then allow the seed of the word to be planted deep so that it produces fruit through us as a church family. This I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said. So if you come to our city, the city of Smyrna, we would start at the harbor. It's an amazing place, and rising right from the harbor, hundreds of feet, is Mount Pegasus, and there on the top of the mountain is where they they built the temple to the goddess of Rome. They built another temple to Caesar Tiberius. And when they finished with the buildings, it it looked as though there was a crown on top of the mountain. If you were to track from the harbor to to the top of the mountain, you would take a street and it looked as though it was gold. The town was booming with about 200 plus thousand people. It was very successful. Ephesus tried to rival us, and and they like to call themselves the first city of Asia, but we claim we were. An amazing place. 200 plus thousand people. And then enters Domitian, a tyrant. Ephesus and Smyrna, this is where emperor worship really started. These tyrants had booths set up 
where when you came into the city, you would have to offer incense so that you had the privilege of buying and selling. Domitian hired a group of priests who not only worked those booths, but they would go around and lead in worship to Caesar because the emperor made it known that it was his name given among men whereby you could be saved. His name and his only. So it was a horrible place for those of us who were Christ's followers. You see, we were just part of a little sect of Christianity that was housed over in a little tenement building often meeting underground, we were threatened constantly. Not only were we unwelcomed, but we were breaking the law to meet together, to have any kind of corporate worship experience. Life was tough. Life was hard. For you see, they had taken our pastor. We had an awesome pastor, but Domitian tried to kill him in fact, history, I, I wasn't there when this happened, but they say at one time Domitian took our pastor and put him in a cauldron of boiling oil and submerged him, but somehow in the power of God, he came up out of that barrel of oil and declared, I still say that he that sinneth is of the devil. Emperor realizing he couldn't kill him, he ostracized him, alienated him, exiled him. On Patmos, it's a little rock of an island that rises out of the Aegean Sea. And, and all you can hear there are the waves crashing against the rocks and the screams of the dying as people starve to death. Not a real good retirement for our pastor. And there, instead of being discouraged or depressed, somehow he connected in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he wrote us a letter. And you have a copy of the letter. It's Revelation chapter 2. And I thought it would be great if we could see it on the screen tonight. Revelation 2. Let's go to the first verse if we can. Verse 8. Could we read this together? Why don't we read it in concert? That way we're all reading from one version. Here we go. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write... These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a, of the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Our pastor sent us this letter. We needed this letter. Because life was tough in Smyrna. If you refused to give worship to the emperor, you were taken and at times thrown into the Colosseum where they would release the hungry lions and you would be devoured or they would burn you at the stake. 
And then they had this, it was, looked like a wheel, like eight foot in diameter. And, and they would just stretch you out until they literally tore you into pieces. That was the price you paid for not bowing to Caesar. It was tough. So getting this letter from our pastor was used by God. And it helped us to have a resolve in our hearts to honor God. Not to bow. You see, in this letter, he let us know that he understands. I would like to go back to it. Let's go back to verse 8 if we can. These are the words of him who is first and the last, who died and who came to life again. Next slide. I know your afflictions. Let's just pause right there and look at that word, afflictions. Other Words that we could use there are tribulations. That word means to crush. In Smyrna is where myrrh came from. And it was made from the crushing pressure of the instruments. It's the crushing of grapes that would be an illustration out of that word. We were being crushed by the pressure of Caesar. And so the Lord says to us that he knows... He came into that awareness declaring that he's the first and the last. He was the one who was alive and then was dead, but then is alive again. We've never known anyone else who had that story. For everyone else, they were alive and then they were dead. But for this one who is the first and the last, he was alive. He died and yet he's alive again. Our pastor writing us this incredible letter. He had a way of just making us to know that when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he saw the throne. And Domitian was not on it. He says, I know your afflictions and I know your poverty. Poverty, yes, only for the believers. You see, the city was booming. But we couldn't buy or sell or trade. Our farmers could not sell their produce. Our seamstresses could not sell their linen. And it was difficult because when you would sit around your table and your children were hungry. Without this letter encouraging us of God's awareness, we couldn't have made it. When all we had to do was just go offer a little incense to Caesar... There were some days it didn't look like such a big deal, but yet something rose within us off the power of the letter that challenged us not to bow to Domitian. He says, I I know your afflictions and I know your poverty. He says, I know about the slander. Let's go to the next slide. The slander, they rile against you. They they blaspheme you. I, I know all about it. In these words, affliction, tribulations, the pressure, the poverty, and the slander. He's saying, I know we are learning about a God who not only knows, but he's touched with the very feelings, the feelings of our infirmities. We realize he understood what we were going through. He knows. He says, I know your poverty, but you're rich. We... We, we were rich in the things of God. We, 
we were learning what that really meant, that his love, presence, and power were better than even life itself. Life was interesting in Smyrna. We've been called the suffering church because of this kind of pressure. So many things that that we learned. We learned that the riches of God's presence were greater than the riches of the world. And that we would rather have Jesus and be in poverty than to have the riches of the world but not have Jesus. We started seeing our very city geographically as a type of our spirituality. God spoke to John, and even in this letter, he picked up on the fact that if we would be faithful, we would receive a crown. It seemed that the only crown was that which, which crescent the hill, and it spoke of the power of Caesar. But God let us to know that if we were faithful, we would see, receive a crown, a crown that would never fade away. His words to us were, do not be afraid. Be faithful. When you're sitting with your family, brothers and sisters who are trying to serve God and you're in the trial of your life and you receive a letter from your pastor, anointed of God, you wonder what he will say. And these words jumped off the page right into our hearts. Don't be afraid. Be faithful. For life there every day was challenging and it became this letter. It gave us motivation, courage, and power. Polycarp was a bishop and wonderful man and they went out to his house, knocked on his door. He just happened to be in prayer. They interrupted his prayer time to take him before the proconsul. And when they took him before the proconsul, the proconsul said, You either deny Jesus Christ and offer worship to Domitian, or we will feed you to the lions. To which he responded, God has been faithful to me 86 years. Why would I deny him now? If you're going to feed me to the lions, then turn them loose because I will not bow. They felt that that was very defiant, so they said, If you don't offer worship to Caesar, we will burn you at the stake. At that word, they started stacking the wood around the stake. He says, I will not bow. They took him and they had tied him up to the stake and about to set the wood on fire and burn him alive. And he said, I have one request, just one. Would you untie me? And we all watched as Polycarp was burned alive and as the flames rose around him, he just declared, all glory be to God. It was an amazing place, a challenging atmosphere, a tough city. But what was interesting is that little sect of believers that I was a part of started to grow. Until 
the biggest percentage of those in Smyrna became followers of Christ. So that's life in Smyrna. But now as I have jumped into the future and I'm here with you at the assembly, I would like to give a a few perspectives It didn't happen at this church, but recently I was at a, another church here in America, and as I was coming into the service, I heard this person really complaining because they didn't get a parking space close to the entrance. And I thought to myself, we woke up every day wondering if they would cut our head off. And this person is worried about having to walk a little farther to get to the entrance of the church. I would just raise that as a perspective. The other perspective is that you actually get to do this here. This is amazing. Most of our meetings were held underground, small gatherings. I still am not really wrapping my mind around the fact that you actually get to do this. As I was here in your worship service tonight, I was like, surely they're going to come bursting through the doors at any moment and, and carry us all off. And uh, by the end of the day, we will be fed to the lions. And, and yet... No one had any inhibition. There was just a a freedom to worship. And what a place. But as I've gone into some churches here in America in this present day, I'm picking up on a lot of expectations when it comes to worship. Matter of fact, in one church I was recently in, the worship leader told me, that every week he was getting a ticket from the worship police. Because expectations were not being made or violations from certain styles and preferences. And so I have this perspective to offer out of the church at Smyrna. We would have given anything for this privilege. We would have given anything. The last thing we would have had is would be expectations, we would have just enjoyed the freedom to come together without the fear of being shut down or hauled off for the privilege and opportunity of lifting up the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, whether it was fast or slow, new or old, traditional or contemporary. If I could sing about the truth of God out of my heart with a bolted praise, And I would just offer that as a perspective. Another perspective is that you can do this. If in our circumstance, the biggest percentage of the city became followers of Christ, then I would say to you, you're going to be able to do this. And I'm not talking about just your street coming under the influence of God or your neighborhood. I'm talking about the entire region. 
For if under the entire empire of Rome, in our affliction, our poverty, and the slander against us, we had such an awakening of spiritual life that the biggest percentage started following Christ. What can you do? With all of your freedom and all of your resources and this facility, what I would say to you, you can do it. You have the freedom, you have the spirit, you have the word, you have each other, you have this building. Oh, yes, 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 church, you can do it. I would say go public. We long for the day when we could really go public. To go public was to take the risk of losing your own life. But we did it anyway. Because we learned that if you have Christ, you won't be hurt by the second death. Another writer who got involved with that church over at Ephesus, he wrote, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And so we just kind of took that to heart and we believed that. And Domitian really struggled with what you do with people who don't have to survive. It's hard to destroy a movement like that. And coming from the church I came from to your church, I would just say, this is amazing We never had worship teams that facilitated worship to God. For you see, Domitian, he hired a group of priests like this group you saw up here tonight that led in the proclamation of his deity, of his name being the name. Oh, to have the freedom, the team, the resources to declare that I believe you're my healer, that nothing is impossible, that he is here, he is here, that there's a sweet anointing in this sanctuary to break the yoke and lift the heavy burden. I would just give you perspective and say, cherish this privilege, make the most of the opportunity and don't come alone. I would say no more Empty seats. The last thing we picked up on this letter was the power of eternity and an ongoing worship service. We received additional chapters and paragraphs that opened up our thinking about the work of God, which you all have. I, I think for you, it's, it's been all packaged up, and what I'm about to tell you, you would find like in your fourth chapter or your fifth chapter. But our pastor wrote to us, and he taught us about how he had seen the throne. And Domitian was not on it, but there was a lamb found worthy. Seated on that throne. Just as 
The emperor had hired a group of priests that would be around declaring worship to to Caesar. He talked about these 20 and 4 elders that would be around the throne of God. And then angelic hosts by the thousands encircling the throne. All declaring worship. And then it broadens out, we read, to be saints from over the years washed in the blood who also were declaring worship. And we learned that we were never just initiating and starting a worship service. We were always joining in a worship service that was already happening. And it was awesome. So I thought it would be amazing and appropriate if if we could close this service continuing with those around the throne. I hope you're comfortable with this because this is what's happening in heaven. I would like to invite all of you to stand and this great team to come back to the platform And before we put words on the screen and lift our voices and declare the characteristics of God's strength and power, the fact that he's a refuge, that he's a shield, a shelter, and a deliverer, I'd like for you to join in with me in in part of the letter we received. When we watch those different groups that were declaring worship to God around his throne we found them saying things like this. To the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to Him be glory. When I stand before you and say to Him be glory, it it causes my heart to tremble because I remember those tough days kids hungry because I couldn't provide food because I wasn't willing to bow to a false god and it was his glory that filled the house that sustained us another day to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb to him be glory and power you see all we felt was the power of Domitian but we discovered the power that was greater than the power of Domitian the power of God to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to him be glory and power and might might we learned to serve him with all of our might we gave everything we had and I would just say give him everything you have maybe here in a moment I could ask you to repeat some phrases after me and could I ask you to repeat them with all of your might As I lead you in this, we're not worried about pitch. We're just worried about praise. And I would say get loose with it. Because they're really freed up up there. No problem with just declaring the glory of the Lamb. So I would like to say some phrases and I would like for you to repeat them 
repeat them with passion. For in this talk that I've given you tonight, you can extract out everything you're going to need for the tough days, the trials of life. When you're being tried in the fiery situations, and it's bringing all of the alloy out, and God is purifying you and refining you so that you might come forth as gold. I would sit there on the harbor wondering, could I make it another day? Looking at what appeared to be a street of gold right up to the crown. But now, I walk streets of gold, having walked right through gates of pearl. And one day I will lay the crown at the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Could you give it all? Could you learn from our little sect of believers at the assembly of Smyrna? For when the sun's not shining and resources are limited and struggles are intense, He knows your affliction, He knows your poverty. He knows the blasphemy. He knows about the slander. Remember, He is the first and the last. He has the last word. He's in control. So would you declare these phrases after me? To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be glory, honor, power, might and dominion forever and ever and ever and ever amen and amen he's worthy of our praise tonight